Uh, my name is Nate. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are in the second week of our series called Elijah. And man, I, I love that song, and, and I think we'll be singing it uh, as just part of our regular Sunday morning because, and it is, it is great to remember, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, God. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to get rid of me. Uh, you're not going to uh, abandon me. You are faithful, God. You are always, always there. One part in the Bible, it says he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Maybe you feel like he's not there. He hasn't helped you. He's not around. But today, I mean, I, I, I hope that, um, th that this morning you'll realize that he, no, it's tr he really hasn't left you. He really is with you, even through those, um, through those difficult times. And he will see you through. He will see you out of it. He will walk with you out of it. If you have your Bibles, I would like you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can download one on your phone. And also, we'll give you one for free, and we'd love to do that. If you go to the Welcome Center after service, just ask them for one. They'll give you one, and the people of the church buy them for you to give you one. So um, sometimes people have this uh, idea that the Bible is impossible to read, that you, you read it, you'll never understand it, and so a lot of people never try. Or maybe they tried to read it and, uh, a long time ago, and they thought, like, this is over my head, and they gave up. It, um, it's not true, all right? There are parts of the Bible that are maybe hard to understand, but um, many parts of the Bible are narrative, they're a story, and it's recounting these events that happen. So today, I'm going to read you uh, a larger portion of scripture than I normally do, because if you've never read the Bible before, I want you to hear it and say, all right, I get that, and it'll encourage you to begin to read the Bible every day. Just pick a little bit every day and begin to read it. And then, you know, next, the next day, read a little bit. And if you can do that in your life, it will make a difference, and God will use that to help you to understand him better, to help you to know him more, and, and he'll, use that, he'll use reading the Bible to change your life. The Bible, when, it, when God talks about the Bible, he says, it is sharper than a sword, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to divide joint and marrow. And, and what he's really saying is the Bible, when you read it, has the ability to, to do things in your life, to separate uh, things in your life, and to kind of do surgery and to remove things out of your life. Um, it, it, it's pretty amazing. It's very, very powerful. So we're going to start reading here. In 1 Kings chapter 17 at verse number 8. The first part of chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, I preached on that passage of scripture during the Rust Bucket series earlier this year. So we're going to kind of jump through that as we're going through this, um, this series on Elijah. So if you, if you missed that, you weren't here in that series, jump back in that because it's a pretty incredible, another incredible story in Elijah's life that we won't be covering this series. So starting at verse number eight. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? 
As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Verse number 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then, what, then use what's left over to prepare a meal for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. If you weren't here last week or, or you weren't here when we talked about Elijah a couple of months ago, I just want to give you a little bit of background on what's happening in this event so you can really begin to understand uh, the significance of, of what's going on. So last week we talked about how Elijah showed up on the scene here during a time when King Ahab and Jezebel were ruling the nation. They were evil people and they were doing everything they could to end the worship of God in their nation. They were killing the prophets of God, they were destroying the temples, and they're trying to eradicate even the memory of God from their nation. That's when Elijah shows up on the scene and he goes to King Ahab and he says, there will not be rain or dew in this entire nation until I give the command for it to rain again. And he left, he went into the wilderness and for the next three years, for over the next three years, there was, it was a complete drought in that nation. We'll, um, we'll cover the events leading up to it raining again over the next few weeks, but this moment now where the drought's been going on for a little while, he was at the brook Kareth. He had been receiving water from that brook even during the drought. God had been feeding him miraculously by having ravens bring him food, and then God told him now, you're going to move to another area. You're going to go to this town, and there's going to be a widow that's going to feed you. Now, I want you to just understand, this is, this is significant, and this is unlikely. And when Elijah heard this, it had to have caused him to wonder how that would be possible, because a widow, were, they were amongst the poorest in the nation. There was no government assistance, and so without the support of a spouse who was working, there was no opportunity for gainful employment, and the loss of a, a husband um, without an adult male child was, uh, was going to be a life of, of destitution, at least for a significant period of time. So this is during a drought, and God says, hey, you're going to go to this town, and a widow is going to feed you. This would be like for you and I, if we were in a place where we needed a miracle in our life and God speaks to you and says, hey, go into the, go into the, the woods and a homeless guy is going to feed you. We'd be like, 
I, I, think I've, I think I've misheard you here. That's impossible. Like, you know, that, that's not going to happen. I must have misunderstood something. And we begin to doubt from the very beginning how God could use a widow, how God could use someone who's homeless to take care of our need. Big thing here, uh, important thing here to learn that is not what we're talking about, but I just want to make sure you understand this. Many of us are in places where we need God to do a miracle in our life. And if you're not there now, there'll be a, a, a point in your life where maybe you are there, and the miracle that you're asking God to do is, is not going to come from a source that you'd anticipate. God oftentimes is is using things we'd never expect, and he's providing for us in ways we could never imagine because he's, he's, he's making sure that we know without a benefit of, 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 the, of a doubt that it was him who did the miracle. It was not a coincidence. It was not luck. It was not, you know, anybody else. It was him. And by him using a, miracle, a widow or him using different circumstances in your life, he wants to make sure you know he's caring for you. He wants to make sure you know that he's been faithful. He wants to make sure you know that he's the God and the source and the provider of your life. Elijah, it doesn't say in here how he, how he reacted to this, but he, God speaks to him, hey, a widow is going to provide for, for your needs. And he shows up and he sees this widow at the gates of the city gathering sticks. And so begin to see... Um, just from that about her situation, that she's out, you know, out gathering sticks, that she's in an area of need. Um, we don't know how long she's been without food, but we know as it began, we would assume as it began to run low, that she's rationing the food to try to extend the life of her and her son. So they're probably, she's probably very thin. Uh, she's probably looks um, very poor. And now it's come to the point where there's no more left to ration. It is time for their last meal. She's going to cook this meal. Her and her son are going to eat it. And we're going to, we can probably um, safely determine that she's not going to just watch her son starve to death. So this is probably going to be a situation of a planned suicide. She's going to feed her son then end his life while he still has a, a full belly and he doesn't have to suffer, and then she'll take her own life after that. This is her plan. This is, this, is the only, this is the only plan for her life she can anticipate at this moment. So Elijah sees her. He knows God says there's going to be a widow who's going to do a miracle. And, and he's at that moment, he's like, man, I can't ask her to do this. I, you know, she needs that more than I do. God, there's going to be some other way that you can provide for me rather than me taking from this widow. And you, we see in the, in the scripture we just read that he said, hey, can you bring me a cup of water? And that was maybe him like trying to get the courage to ask and, or, or, or just trying to see how she'd respond. And then when she goes to get the cup of water, he's like, maybe a, you know, a, piece, of, a piece of bread as well. And that's where she responds, that's all that she has. And Elijah is in this place where God's told him to ask a widow to meet his need. But there's this secondary part that 
God wants Elijah to ask because he has a miracle he wants to do for the widow. You have to ask Elijah so I can do a miracle for her. What would have happened if Elijah never went to that town? What would have happened if Elijah never um, talked to that widow and asked for her to give him a piece of bread? The widow and her son would have died. She would have lived her plan because that's the only way it was the only plan she knew. So just a brief recap here of what's happened in the story. Elijah heard the word of God. Elijah was obedient to the word of God. And then Elijah uh, uh, received what he needed. The widow, she heard the word of God. She was obedient to the word of God, and then she received what she needed. There's an interesting thing here happening in the story. He needed her for his miracle, but she needed him for her miracle. There's a, there's a dependence upon each other that I want to talk about today. You need an Elijah in your life, but also you need to be an Elijah in someone else's life. It, you can't, some people have this idea that, that, they can be an, that they can have this individualistic faith. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of a church. It's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. What we begin to see from how God works and how he's working in the story is that, no, it cannot be that way. That if you're going to, if you're in a place where you need a miracle in your life, God is going to use another individual, another person who's following him to be the source of that miracle. And also, you, if you have, if you're not in a place of, of need, God needs to use you to be the source of a miracle in another person's life. We have to be connected to each other. We have to be involved with each other. We have to be serving the Lord together. You need an Elijah in your life. You need an Elijah in your life. And, you know, you don't need a literal Old Testament prophet in your life. So let me kind of define what, what I'm talking about here. An Elijah is someone whose faith prompts you to take your own steps of faith. Elijah was confident. Hey, if you make me this bread, God will do this in your life. And because of his faith, the lady took a step of faith by making him bread first, and then she was able to experience God for herself. You need an Elijah in your life uh, for a couple of different reasons. One, you need an Elijah in your life to challenge you. We see this in verse number 13. It said, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. He challenged her. All right, you have your... You have your you have your plans for your life. You have, you, you, you have the way you think it's going to work out, but why don't you try this first? Challenging her to take steps of faith. Who in your life is encouraging you to go after what God has for you? Who are the people in your life who are, 
who are kind of pushing you or challenging you to become what God's called you to be, to live the life he's called you to live, to experience the things of God that he has for you, to take steps of faith, to believe for miracles. Who are those people in your life? We, we tend to just default in being with whom, who we're comfortable with, uh, who are like us, and then quickly like uh, degrading our life to like the lowest, you know, to be these couch potato Christians who, who just show up to church on Sunday and that's it. That is our walk with God. And those are, those are kind of how we default. That's how we default. But we don't want to live that way because we want to experience more of God than that. We want to live the life he's created us to live. So who are those Elijahs in your life who are challenging you to pursue God today, who are challenging you to pursue God tomorrow. And God will use Elijah's in your life to challenge you to take a step. And because you take that step, you will experience a miracle. You need an Elijah in your life to point you to Jesus. Verse number 14, he says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And then he gave her a word from God. He directed her. Here's what God promises. Here's what God will do for you. And you need people in your life who, who are not just going to have a pity party with you. I mean, they'll empathize with you. They'll have compassion with you. But they'll be able to point you to God's word to the words of Jesus, to remind you what he says, to remind you that there's an outcome, to remind you that, that you, there'll be another day to eat, to remind you that there's another meal coming, to remind you that this is not the end for you, but he is faithful and he will see you through. We, we get in those places and, and maybe you're, you're going through a, a difficult time, maybe you're in a financial struggle, maybe there's a health crisis, and you, who's that friend, who's that person in your life telling you and reminding you, here's what God's word says. And, and I know what the doctor said, I know what the bank account says, I know what it feels like, I know how it hurts, but here's what Jesus says. We need to stand on the scripture together, we need to pray together, we need to believe together. Who are those people in your life? And as he as he's, Elijah's in this lady's life and he's, he's challenged her, make me bread first, as he's pointed her to God's word and says, you know, here's a promise from God for you if you'll be obedient in this. She could have ignored him at that moment. She could have said, all right, sure, I'll go do that and then left and hid and never talked to that guy again. Not even come back with water, just completely ignored him. She could have written him off as insane. Remember, she doesn't know who he is. She's never seen him before. She's never met him before. But here he is saying, listen, your life can be different if you will take this step of faith. She could have said, listen, it's hopeless. You know, I know how much bread I have. I know how much oil I have. Um, and there's a drought in the whole nation. No one's got flour. No one's got oil. No one's going to give me any. It's over for me. It's hopeless. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say that's going to make any difference. We can be in those places in our own life. 
Someone comes and they're challenging you. No, believe God again. They're challenging you. They're pointing you to the Bible. No, here's what God, God's word says about your life. And you, you push back against that and you think, no, you don't even understand. You don't get it. It's not going to make a difference in my life. I've tried it before. I've showed up at church before. I've gone out for prayer before. It didn't make a difference. And this is where she could have been. And maybe this is where you are and you're stuck there. Don't live there. Don't stay there. He has something for you. Don't give up. Keep pursuing him. Take that, make that bread first. And who are these people in your life just challenging you, pointing you to Jesus, and helping you not to give up? So she went to her house. She did what he said. And what happened as a result to her listening to Elijah? What happened? Because she, chose, she took the chance to pursue what she said she could have. She and her son lived. And God used Elijah to save this family's life. He needed a miracle for, his, for himself, but because he stood in a place of faith, her life was changed. This, you need an Elijah in your life because it is, it, it makes a difference in your life. You know, this is one reason why your church matters. You need to go to a church where they believe the Bible, where they believe the Bible is real, and they believe that what God says in his word is true for you. You need to be in a church where, where, they, where they don't just regard it as, a, as just a, a, a holy antique book, but they would believe it as living and powerful and able to, to change your life, where God will speak to you through it and, and, and change you through it. And it, it can seem like self-serving. It's weird because I'm talking about churches, but you, you won't always live in this area. And so there may there'll be a for many of you, there'll be another time in your life where you're looking for a church, and you need to be in a place where, where, they're, where they believe the Bible, because that will make a difference on your life. You need to be in a place where they believe in prayer, and that God does miracles, and the Bible says to lay hands on people and pray for them. You need to be in a church where people do that, because it could, be, it could save your life. If you're in a place where a church doesn't believe in miracles and doesn't believe that God still performs miracles, then you're in a place where you're with your last bit of flour and your last bit of olive oil. That's it. You're at the end of your own resources. We serve a God of infinite resources. He never runs out of his ability to move in your life. This is why your pastor matters. Now, I know your pastor, and this seems self-serving. But again, I won't always be your pastor. I won't always be pastor of Restoration Church. One day, those babies in that, ner- in that teeny tags area, they're going to be our pastors. And uh, one day, you move, you attend another church, and um, your pastor matters. 
I, it was about 12 years ago, I was on a telephone conversation with one of my friends. He lived in, uh, in the Mideast, and, um, and he was telling me about his church, and he said this. I never forgot it because it, it, it changed my life. He said, the blessings we've experienced in our life are because of our pastor. And I thought that was a little bizarre at first. I'd never heard anything like that before. But over the next few months and even over the next few years as I processed that and tried to understand it, I realized it was because that pastor in, in, in that state was preaching about God in a way that inspired my friend to go after God. And even though he'd been a Christian for a long time in his life, and, uh, and he'd been a pastor at, at, at a, a previous season of his life and would pastor again after that. He was still in a place where he, there was more of God to experience than he had. And this pastor talking about God in such a way inspired my friend to keep pursuing God and keep going after the things of God. And so he experienced God in a different way. That pastor in the, in the, in, in the time he attended that church also taught about the blessings of God and it inspired my friend to go after those blessings. And he experienced God in a deeper way and knew God in, 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 in a greater way than he had had because of the ministry of that pastor in his life. And he said to me in that same conversation, said, my marriage is different, my family's different, my career's different, my finances are different because of my pastor, because he's allowed me to believe in faith. He's allowed me to trust the Bible. He's allowed me to live differently than I was living before I started coming here. And we see this happened for that lady. It's in the passage we just read. It says, just she experienced and she had a miracle just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Elijah spoke and she stepped out in faith, and she experienced God in the way that Elijah said she would. We need Elijahs in our life to challenge us, to point us to Jesus, and then we need Elijahs in our life to celebrate. You need an Elijah in your life to celebrate with you. Verse number 15. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Just imagine that, okay? Can we, can we try to put ourselves in her shoes to just realize the emotion she'd be feeling in that moment? She makes him a piece of bread. She makes food for her son. She still is fully expecting to die, all right? We're just going to die a little less full than we had hoped, but this is it. I'll, I'll show I'm making some bread. What else am I going to do? We're dying anyway, so what difference does it make? She makes some bread. She makes their meal. And then, and then Elijah, you know, it's whatever, a few hours later, it's time to eat again. And she goes back, and to her surprise, there's still some flour. There's still some oil. And she kind of looks at the prophet and looks at her son, and, and like all of a sudden, there's like a little bit of hope. Like, wait a minute. Are we not going to die today? So she makes some bread, she makes some flour, her, Elijah, and her son eat. And just imagine how she felt in that moment where after that second meal, she sees her son, and for the first time in a long time, he has a full belly. You just imagine 
tears coming down her face as she just, as she's just like in awe, like, wait a minute, God just did a miracle for me. Wait a minute, God just changed my life. Wait a minute, God just saved my son. And how would she have felt in that moment? And then the next morning when she wakes up and she cooks again, and it's just, it's all surreal. She can't even believe, God, you know me? God, you care about me? God, you know my son? You care about my son? How would she have felt in that moment? And so here now, after a few days, I mean, it is a party every meal. And her and Elijah and her son are celebrating together. And she's like, I can't believe it. God saved us. God's feeding us. He's like, you know, I know God, but even still, like, how he used the poorest person in this town to do the miracle. But, man, he, he works some ways I don't know. And they're celebrating together the goodness of God. You need an Elijah in your life to celebrate with you. Someone who's there, and they know what you're going through. They know the miracle you need. They cry with you. They, pr- excuse me, they pray with you. Then when God does what God does, they're there on the other side of that, celebrating with you, they're sitting in church service with you where you're, you're singing like you've never sung before because, wow, you can't even believe what God did in there walking with you through that. Who are the Elijahs in your life who will celebrate that with you? If you're new here and you've, you've never been here, man, I, I hope that today I'll be an Elijah in your life. That as you hear us talk about Jesus today, that something in you to say, man, what would happen for me what could Jesus do in my life if I, will, if I will give him, if I will put my trust in him? And I hope that, that I'll, I'll challenge you to think through that what your life is without him, and I'll point you to him, you know, not to me, not to Restoration Church, but, but, to, the, but to Jesus. And you'll get to the place where you say, all right, man, you know, maybe this is it. And you'll pray a simple prayer. You'll say a simple thing to Jesus. You'll say, today, I'm, I'm trusting you. Today I'm making a decision to follow you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to change me. I ask you to be my savior. And I hope that I'll be an Elijah in your life, that you'll make that decision. And and then I hope, and, and this is my favorite part of my life, is when you come up to me and you say, I I made I made the decision to follow Jesus. And I get to hear about what God's done in your life. I get to hear what, what he's done, and I get to be celebrating with you, like, with, with the, the weirdest, like, bright-eyed smile that I can muster because I'm so excited, like, ah! And, and, and I get to celebrate that with you, and I get to see God move in your life, and I get to see you growing and, and, and becoming and experiencing God in ways that you never thought possible. I hope that you make that decision to trust him, to give your life to him, today. Not only do you need an Elijah in your life, but you need to be an Elijah. Imagine you're Elijah, you're going to this gate and you're asking someone to give you their last meal. I say, hey, I need, I, I need a miracle and I need you I need you, you, you know, my miracle is going to come from you. I need you to, to, I know you're about to die, but I need you to just make me a piece of bread first. 
And um, imagine asking someone for that. To think, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to impose on their life like that. I don't, I, you know, they need it more than I do. I just, I just feel really uncomfortable about that. But what about asking them for their last meal when you know it will save their life? Would you ask differently at that point? You would ask with a different boldness and a different, because you're like, you know, like, man, if, you, if you'll do that, if you'll take that step, if you'll trust God this way, He's going to do something. And, and you would be like so, so um, excited because you knew what God was going to do in their life. You knew that if they, if they do this, if they'll follow God this way, if they'll open up to Jesus this way, that it will save their life. It will change their life. But you, uh, you know, sometimes when we ask people to come to church, we feel weird about it. Like, oh, I don't want to impose on them. I don't want to force my beliefs on people. I, you know, they may not like it. They may be mad. And and we get hesitant about asking people to come to church. We get hesitant about, about asking people if we can share our story with them. But what if it would save their life? What if asking them to come will, will save their life? Wouldn't that change how you invited people? Wouldn't that change how you asked people to come? Wouldn't that change how you shared your story? Because you know you're not asking them to show up to a religious service. You're inviting them to a moment, an opportunity that can change their life. Doesn't that change exactly how we look at it? You know when you're asking them to come to church, you know when you're asking them if you can tell them your story that they can meet Jesus if they come. Sometimes maybe we, we begin to doubt, we question, you know, Elijah, he's, hey, if you give me your last meal, then God will do a miracle. It doesn't say you doubt it, but I, I would have, if I was there, like, man, God, what if you don't come through? I just stole this meal from these people. But he was confident in what God did. And, and we can question God, what, what if I bring them? What if they don't know? What if they don't like it at church? What if they get offended? What if, what if they don't meet you? What if it doesn't make a difference in their life? But man, you're here. You know who he is. You know what he did in your life. You know, the, you know Elijah knew what God did at the brook Kareth with the, with the, the ravens and, and the running water during the drought. He knew that. So he was so confident that God was going to provide for him and the widow and her son that he just knew it. And you know what God did in your life. You know how he changed you. You know how he forgave you. And so when you ask people, man, you need to be confident of who God is and what he's done. If you're not confident in that, man, you've got to get back connected to him. You've got to be in a place where you're close to him again. And you've got to just be in a place where you are hearing the stories about your friends who are coming here and the miraculous things that Jesus has done in their life. Um, we have a, a, a Facebook group that invites you to, to jump on if you're on Facebook. It's just, rest, we are Restoration Church. So you can search that and, and, uh, and add yourself to that. And um, I don't know what day, Thursday I posted, hey, tell us your story. And so different people have been telling their story. And you, every single one of you need to. Get, go on there, just write a, a little bit about, what, about your life and what God's done in your life. You start reading those stories as I've been all weekend, and it's like, yeah, that is right. 
God is able to do the, the impossible things in people's lives. And you got to read those and remind yourself. And, and someone, I don't remember who, so I, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but somebody said, thanks, Pastor Nate, for asking us to do this because it reminded me how far he's brought me. And we can forget. And we can think like, oh, man, my coworker, I don't think they'd ever want to. I don't think they'd ever. Listen, you know who he is. You know what he does. So what do we do with this? If you're, if you need an Elijah in your life, you know, if you don't have one, and sometimes when we move from one church from another area, we had one, we had a community at our other church, we had people who were challenging us, pointing us to Jesus, but now that we've moved, it could be a number of years we haven't connected. You may be coming here, you're not connected, you've got to do something about that. So who are the people in your life challenging you in your walk with Jesus? Not who it used to be 10 years ago, who are the people now? For many of us, it's, it's not. There's not a person. Well, I want to be that person in your life right now. And if you're new here and you've never, or, or if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I, I want to point you to him right now. I want to challenge you to give him your entire life, your entire heart, all of your past, all of your sins, all of your dreams, all of your future, to give it all to him right now. Because it, he is good. And he loves you. And he really will change your life. Even if you have a great life, he will, he will change your, your eternal life. Give, give him your life today. If you're here and you're following Jesus, but there's just not that person in your life, you need that. You need to pursue that. You can't give up until, until, you, until you've cultivated that and you have that. So one kind of like easy, low, weird way to do that is you got to know people. And so hang after at the bounce house. You can hopefully beat some people, but, you know, sign up for one of the backyard barbecues and go to someone's house and know them and make some friends. And, um, and you got to meet those people. You can't just show up on Sunday and leave and, and become who God wants you to be. You've got to be, you need Elijah's in your life. And then the other part is, who are you and Elijah too? Who are you helping to know Jesus? And how are you doing that? Who are the people that you're inspiring to, to pursue God more, to know him more, to follow him greater, to, to rid themselves more of the world and to fully pursue him? Who are those people? Maybe you've only given your life to Jesus in the last three minutes, and so you don't know how to do that. You don't know what to say. Maybe you, you just, you're not comfortable talking to people, so you're not sure how you can do that. Listen, you could be an Elijah's, an, an, an Elijah in someone's life just by serving here on a Sunday morning. And, you know, maybe you're, you're not good at talking, but you're really good at changing diapers, and so you help out in, in the baby's room. Maybe you're not good at talking, but you're really good at smiling, and so you begin to serve at the front door. Maybe you're not good at either of those things, but you're good at, at making coffee. And so you, you join and you begin to help on the coffee team serving coffee. And you think like, how, does that be, how is that being an Elijah in someone's life? Because when, listen, when someone shows up to church for the first time, which happened during the first service, 
and they see people who smile. They see so many people serving, so many people not just showing up to church, but being a part of the church. It, call, it points them to Jesus because they begin to say, like, they begin to look like, what's going on here that so many people are here, that so many people are helping, that so many people love being here, that so many people are nice? What's going on behind the scenes? And you, just by opening a front door, you, just by cleaning, you, just by helping, have pointed people to Jesus. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want to take an opportunity to pray for you. Pray for our church. Jesus, I thank you for the men and women of faith in our lives. Those who are here who have served you decade after decade after decade, who inspire us to live lives of faith, inspire us to pursue you daily, inspire us to become more and more like you. Thank you for those men and women who have, who have served you for so long and are such an example to us. We thank you, God, for the men and women of faith in our lives who are brand new to knowing you and following you, but yet still they're Elijah in our lives because they point us to you and your redemptive work and your power and how you change and forgive. They challenge us to, to love you like they love you. They challenge us to, to just celebrate every church service about how great you are. Thank you for those who are new to following you in our church. Thank you that you use them as Elijah's in our life. Thank you for every man and woman who have taken steps of faith, who have believed for miracles, how you've used them to inspire us to experience you and to experience our own miracles in our life. And Jesus, I pray for every person in our church, every follower of you here, we will devote our lives to you. We will give everything we have to you, to living out the purposes you have for us, the reasons you created us. Use us to change lives. Use us for your glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. They're going to lead us in the song that we played right before our right before the message there's no doubting you and i want you as we sing this to imagine yourself as the widow and you knew you were about to die but now you're sitting here in the middle of the drought and god has provided for every meal and you know how you felt before the miracle happened and now as we sing this imagine how you how you'd feel after the miracle man there is no doubting you god never again am i going to question you never again will i doubt you you are good and faithful